Welcome to another episode of the Telewellness Hub Podcast. I'm Marta Hamilton, your host. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Ginger Raya. Dr. Ginger is an associate professor at UT Health School of Public Health in the Department of Management, Policy, and Community Health. She's experienced as a faculty, a course developer, and healthcare administrator for over 18 years. She's also a certified career coach specializing in helping grad students find meaningful careers in healthcare. Today, we're going to talk about self-care, community health, what it looks like to have an education in healthcare, careers in healthcare. She's also one of the co-founders of the Women's Educational Resource Entity, which focuses on providing women with information to grow their financial wealth through calculated risk and education. She serves on several boards. She was elected to the Board of Directors for Pioneers 21, ALPFA El Paso, and is the president-elect for the local chapter of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Welcome, Dr. Raya. Thank you, Martha. I'm very excited to talk to you. Uh, before we hit record, I started saying I feel like there are just so many topics that we could dive into, uh, just with your wealth of experience and knowledge. And to start with, I'm curious, first and foremost, why do you do the wellness work that you do? I, I defaulted to, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that I'm, I'm in healthcare first, right? And I, I would say that, although I don't think that healthcare and wellness are the same, I would say that I fell into the wellness space through healthcare. And so I started my healthcare career about 18 years ago. And I would say that I personally fell into the wellness space when I had my first anxiety attack. And uh, it was, it was because I was, uh, I was doing too much because I thought I could handle everything. Uh, I thought I, you know, I, I could do it all, right? I could be a mom. I could be on all these boards. I could go to school. I, like I was doing too much, and my body decided to put me in check, and I, I had an anxiety attack, and I I thought I was having a heart attack. Wow. It's scary. So I ended up in the ER, and you know I was like I'm having a heart attack. I think it was like thirty four, you know, and, and the, the ER doc was like, "No, you're having an anxiety attack." And I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm a champ. I, check again, <laughs> check again." And um, I think after that, I really realized that we really do need to listen to our bodies, and that if you don't, your body will force you to listen to yourself. And I, I think at that point in healthcare, I really started to understand the concept of wellness. And, and I think throughout the healthcare journey, and, and I think that it's starting to change more that we understand the value of what it is to keep people well and the benefits of keeping people well and the shift from fee for service to population health and this whole wellness space. So I think I appreciate it more. And it, it's taken me personally and professionally time to get into wellness. You know, thank you for sharing. I didn't know that background, but it, it you're right in the sense that I think there is a differentiation. I think we don't always talk about that. I think I myself, just hearing your story touched kind of back on some points in my own life. I'm also a mom, trying to do a lot, excited about a lot. And first went into healthcare, behavioral health, and then kind of transitioned into the wellness space with my own life experiences. Uh, and I think that happens with a lot of people. I'm, I'm wondering, and you mentioned, you know, you're in healthcare first. What, what, tell us a little bit about your background. I, I don't want to speak for you. You have 18 years of experience 
in mm-hmm. healthcare. So share a little bit about, about your journey in healthcare. I have been in, mostly a healthcare operator for the last 18 years. So I, I started in an academic medical institution, um, pretty much always doing healthcare operations. And um, it was only until last year that I went into teaching full time. Uh, throughout those 18 years, I was also teaching uh, for 13 of those years. So I was always teaching grad school, um, a little bit in public administration. And I've always really enjoyed teaching. Like I love, I love, um, you know, being working with students, um, just seeing that spark in them. And, and in those 13 years, I think the other reason that I became a, a career coach, which you mentioned earlier, was because when I was working with my healthcare students, a lot of times students think I'm going to get this great career by getting this degree. And although the degree helps, there's a lot of other work that you need to do. There's a lot of other heavy lifting that you need to do if you want to be a healthcare administrator. And um, I realized that I was doing them a disservice by not speaking to them about the other heavy lift that they needed to do. So I went ahead and became a certified career coach. And then I also tried to work that into my time with them. Like, you know, what, what are you going to do an internship or what, you know, how else are you going to work that so that you can get your dream job in healthcare? And so that's a little bit about the, the healthcare role that I've, that I've had the last 18 years. That's incredible. Uh, it sounds like you've had a really diverse background. And it, to me, it sounds a little, having gone through graduate school, granted my program right, was different in, in, in counseling and health psychology, but it's pretty revolutionary to hear the idea of having someone with a background in career coaching talk to you about your career alongside the clinical and health aspects that you're learning. Because just for listeners in the background, you don't really hear or learn about how to launch your career when you're in graduate school. Typically, you hear about direct client or patient care, protocols, research methods. So that is pretty revolutionary to me to hear hear you talk about that. And an amazing opportunity for for students. Is that a trend that's happening now in higher education? Or is that Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I think um, a lot of professors, you know, we care about the journey of the student. And I, and I think anyone who's vested in the success of their student, you know, wants to give them feedback to make sure that they're successful. Yes. So I, I don't think everybody's getting certified as a career coach, but I think everybody's doing their part to make sure that they're they're successful in their own way, depending on what their route is. And you touched upon kind of looking at internship and looking at what your career might be afterwards. I'm curious if we can talk about a little bit about identity self-care outside of your degree. What does that look like when looking at the whole person? You're talking about leading, teaching, guiding, mentoring students. How do you approach the whole person in that? Uh, what recommendations do you have for people who are in college, in graduate school, or are looking at how to navigate their career um, and taking into account the whole person? For me personally, I would say that when I was leading large teams in healthcare operations, 
I think the term burnout comes to mind, right? We, we hear about physician burnout. We hear about, you know, nursing burnout. You constantly hear this, this term burnout. And when I was leading large teams, um, there was one point where I had a team of 10 managers. You know, I had a book of business of $68 million. I had 25 clinics that I was uh, overseeing. There were times that I would walk into the room and I, I, could, I could feel it, right? That my team was, they were tired. You know, they were, they were exhausted. And, and that concept of self-care where absolutely plays out. And, and as a leader, I think you have to, you have to read the room and you have to make sure that they're, that they're okay. And, and I think it's, it starts with you, right? And that whole anxiety attack, attack thing that it, it's like, what, what are you doing for them? And, and are you encouraging them to take care of themselves? Because I, I think the other thing about our culture is that, People think, oh, I'm going to hustle. Like, I, and I would work with managers that would say, I, I don't feel well today, but I'm still going to come in because I, you know, I know I have to get this done. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, when you have when you have a heart attack, when you, what are you doing? Go take care of yourself, right? And so, really encouraging that and saying, you, I would always say, you cannot take care. Of, you know, you can't fill somebody else's cup if yours is empty. And in the in the the lectures and the teachings that I do right now, where where we talk about the value of what we do versus the value of who we are and the value of self, that is something that is implemented in that curriculum because you cannot take care of other people if, if you're not well, right? And and I think especially for moms, for women, for you know that we're we're taking care of everybody else and we think no 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 you know I got to take care of my kids first I got to take care of like I get it, but if you're not well, at some point that's going to catch up to you. So in in that regard, we in some ways we have to be a little selfish and make sure that you know do I have what I need to, to be okay? Because if I don't, I cannot take care of my family. Right? I cannot take care of my team. You know, and in that healthcare operation setting, it was like, how can you take care of your physicians that you love? How can you take care of your nurses? How can you take care of, if you are not well, go home. Yeah. You know, we, I've talked about it on this podcast before and with other colleagues, this idea of kind of hustle culture, how it just creeps in a lot into our society. And we do, I attach it a lot to our own identity. For those listening what are some initial things that people can evaluate when it comes to are they taking care of themselves? Just kind of preventative or evaluating areas when it comes to self. What are some things people should examine and take a look at? I find it alarming how many people just don't go in for like an annual checkup. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you went in and just had some lab work done? Like just, you know, or or really took the afternoon off or honored your weekends or honored your evenings or, but like do those things, right? Honor your space, honor your, and I don't get me wrong, I'm sure I'm guilty of like not honoring my space, but like I love, you know, go, to, go get your wellness check. Yeah. Go to your doctor, right? At a minimum. That should be normal. Like there's no reason not to do those those annual checkups. 
I'm really glad that you give that reminder because you're right. I think when time kind of escapes when you're doing too many things and you mentioned as being a mom and doing all the things, especially as women, there is a lot of invisible load and that load typically involves taking care of other people. So making sure other people get their wellness checks, other people have everything they need. Kind of it's, a nice reminder that you're providing us with your 18 years of experience and everything and everything to put a mirror back onto ourselves and remind ourselves that it's normal to take care of ourselves and at minimum go get your wellness annual wellness check you know you brought up I want to hear more about this what you discussed in terms of this concept of self and and looking at that I know there's a whole curriculum and we don't have time to dive into all the details, but if you can give us a little snapshot, a little glimpse, a sneak peek as to what that looks like. Uh, some of, some of the, the work I've been asked to do is to kind of try to break that out because I think that, again, part of our culture is that, you know, when you meet somebody new, a lot of the go-to question is usually outside of what's your name. The first question we ask each other is like, what do you do? Right? We don't ask like, oh, you know, do you have any pets? Like, we usually don't say that, right? We always say, what do you do? Right? Because that is so deeply ingrained in our, in, in what, in who we are, right? I'm a healthcare administrator. I'm a, we don't even say like, oh, I'm a mom, right? I'm a wife. I'm a, right? We say, I'm a healthcare administrator. I'm a professor. So that part of that, that course is that, you know, we break out like, okay, we have to address that first, right? Who are we? Like, who, what is what is the value of what we do? And it's like, okay, I, well, you know, this is this is the market the market value of what I do. Is this what I want to do? Is this, you know, how would I how would I look for work that I want to do? What is the value of that? And okay, let, let's put that on the shelf, right? This is what I want to do, or this is what I do, and this is the value of that. Let's put that away. But then there's this whole other concept of what is the valuable self, right? And so I, I usually talk about something called ideal self theory. And ideal self theory is three parts. And it's like mental, the hope, and then your true core. And in this true core, it, it, you, I mean, most of us know who we are, but then it's like, what is ideal self? And, and a lot of people struggle with that concept because for, for some of us, we're so caught up in this, in this fitness self. Like I have to look a certain way. Right. I have to be this weight. I have to be this, you know, I can't have any wrinkles. I can't, right? And and that's not what that's not what a mental image of yourself should be. Right. What what should a mental image of yourself be? Should you be, you know, I, I wanna be um I wanna be happy, I wanna be relaxed, I wanna, you know, I wanna be able to enjoy my career, I wanna be fulfilled. Like that should be a mental image, not I wanna look like this or I wanna be right. And so we kind of explore that and then we talk about practical tips for, for how you can really take care of yourself. And I think the practical tips deal more with really showing yourself grace. Because the other thing about this is that I think when, when you talk to people um, and when you coach people, we're usually the hardest on ourselves. Like we're always the ones that are like, well, I I did this, or I, if I made a mistake, I'm, I'm always the one that's like, oh my god, I, I I did this wrong, and this is my fault, right? And it's like, well, 
how would you speak to a friend versus how would you know and would you speak that and, and do you speak that way to yourself because for most of us we don't speak that way to ourselves we speak kindly to the people we love but we don't speak that way to ourselves and that's a big problem i think it's a it's a big problem in wellness and it's a big problem like do you speak that way to yourself versus to the people that you love because you should love you you know you should be speaking like that to yourself so that's kind of part of it I love that because I'm sure once you start looking at that mental image of yourself and you start picturing that person, I, I'm, I'm picturing maybe from my counseling background, a little bit of like inner child work, right? Where people will put a picture of themselves as a child and, and just speak to that child the way, you know, just doing the inner child work. It reminds me a little bit of that, in, but in the present moment. And really looking at your ideal self now. And I'm sure from there, say, for example, you mentioned wanting to be more relaxed, wanting to have peace. That'll determine your behaviors, how you spend your time, what actions you start investing in. Um, I, I really love that uh, idea and concept. So what a great strategy tidbit to start looking at what is my mental image of self. I try to picture myself doing it as you were speaking. Uh, yeah. It's hard. When we talk about that, I'm like, okay, this is your homework because you're, you're not going to get it done in two hours. Yes. No, that's a great one. I, I wonder to, we talked, I, I'm picturing how do you have time to become this ideal self? I'm picturing time is just so difficult and I'm hearing the activities you are able to include in your day-to-day -day, just from your bio and and knowing you personally so we are both located in El Paso Texas and I am part of an amazing group where I have access to mentors pioneers 21 which that's how I met Dr. Raya or there and I'm just kind of in awe if I'm honest and truly inspired so this might be more of a selfish question for me but I'm sure listeners really gain from it too how do you optimize your time you talked about market value of self I think there's a value yeah. very much so attached to our time too so any recommendations you have for those who have struggles with that concept of I don't have time to take care of myself I think what I've also had to learn the hard way is that it's okay to say no right so when people ask you to do something even if so to your point I do a lot of board work well I just want to say I, I've narrowed it down to three I have three boards that I'm that I'm on that I think uh, three maybe four and uh now, when I get asked to do board work, even if, if it's a great cause and I love the cause, I have to look at the time that I have. And, like, and I have to, you know, respect and honor that I love spending time with my family. I still have a young family. You know, I still have a full-time job um, that I love also, you know, and I love the board work that I have right now on my plate. So I think whenever I get approached to do anything else, I have to look at that time and say, I can't do that, you know? And as a matter of fact, one of my friends reached out to me and said, Ginger, we should really do this. Come on, let's do it. And I'm like, girl, when? Like, how about when our last son, when our kids graduate from high school, let's do it in, let's do this in 2026. 
So, like, I'm making packs with people. Like, we'll do it in 2026 when we have time. Because I think you have to be able to say no and honor your time and to, you know, and, and to really honor yourself and the people that you love and to say no sometimes. Yeah. No, that's also an amazing reminder. And I'm sure when you do some some work around your that mental image of self, it'll really guide, like, what do I want to say no to? What will facilitate that person? And what will, you know, I'm sure. Like, that's an amazing core thing to, to look at. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about your background in various boards and wellness and healthcare. This, when this airs, I believe you have something coming up from the American College of uh, healthcare, right? So I am on the board of directors for the local chapter of the American College of Healthcare Executives. It is the Southwest Healthcare, Ex uh, so the Southwest Healthcare Executives Association. And this is a, a board that I'm very passionate about. So I encourage all of my healthcare students and even healthcare professionals to really consider joining a local chapter like this. Because it, it helps to educate you about, you know, trends. B, it's a great networking opportunity. So you get to learn about other professionals in the area. Uh, and so we happen to have a very active, uh, wonderful chapter here in El Paso. And we call it Shade for short. Uh, and so we do have an event scheduled on the books for August the 24th, it's a Thursday, and that one should be a virtual event. And that one, the title of that one should be, that one should be about behavioral health. So it should be about approaches to increase the value of organizations in the community. And um, so we're really excited to post about that. So, I mean, if you're following me on LinkedIn, you'll, you'll see that. Oh, awesome. And I, I, we can include a link to it in the show notes. Is it open to anybody who is? currently in education within healthcare or interested or professional? It'll be open to everybody. So there's usually, we have a, a member rate and then we'll have a, a different rate for non-members, but it, it's not usually an exorbitant cost. It's, it's pretty reasonable. Oh, that'd be wonderful just to be able to kind of get a, a sneak peek into what that looks like and be able to network and, and learn the latest trends too, especially uh, as I'm sure that healthcare has been evolving so rapidly and there were so many changes due to COVID. I feel like that could probably be its own episode, probably a separate one, but I will definitely make sure to include the link to that. And, and how can people connect with you? So you can find me on, on LinkedIn for sure. I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook. And it's Dr. Gingeriah usually. Okay. Wonderful. And my last question for you, Dr. Raya, before we sign off, for all of those who are currently working on establishing goals, maybe they're trying to figure out goals or maybe even actively working on reaching their goals. With your background in career coaching, uh, 18 years in healthcare and leading multiple clinics, <laughs> now knowing 25 clinics, a lot of goals that you have overseen, and also as a professor mm -hmm. with graduate students. What recommendations do you have for them? What words of encouragement do you have for those who are actively working on creating goals or working towards their goals? As far as reaching your goals, I think part of it is that you really think about 
A, what it is that you want out of this? You know, what's the what's the true value out of what it is that you want? Is this, is it something, I don't want to say superficial, but like, are you doing this for the right reason, right? I think that's the first thing. If you're not doing it for the right reason, it's probably not a goal that you're going to achieve easily. You may not be able to last through the, through like the endurance piece of having to reach something that's hard to get. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, have some grace with yourself. I think that if you don't achieve your goal easily, that's all right. You know, it, it's okay. Uh, just, just keep powering through. I have four degrees and they're all different. And part of that was that, you know, I would try one thing and, and it was interesting to me. I liked it. And, and then I was just like, oh, maybe I want to do this, right? But I would still be able to use what I learned, use what I had, and then use that and apply it. And they were translatable skill sets. And it was always, I was always able to say, this is what I got from this. It's a translatable skill set. I'm going to apply it to this healthcare, you know, industry. And, and I always was able to build on that and, and continue to grow. And for me, all the, the, the really good, powerful lessons were in the failures, they're not necessarily in the wins, right? They're they're in the failures. That's where you get all the the really good lessons. So have some grace with yourself as you're trying to achieve your goals. Dr. Ryan, that's so inspirational. So find the yes, that find the value and grace in the failures. Find the value in yourself. Don't forget to go get your wellness annual wellness check. Um, yes. yes, mental image of your ideal self too. Look at your ideal self and and give yourself grace. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Raya, for being a part of our wellness journey. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.